Namaskar, everyone, and welcome to another episode of DharmaCast. I'm Dada Veda Pragyananda, and today we have a special program because I have a guest with me. This is actually the first time I've had a guest on this program, and it's my guest is Dr. Sid Jordan, but who's I know him as Acharya Vishwamitra, and he's a, a clinical um, psychologist. Uh, he's taught and he's practiced um, psychotherapy, and but on the other hand, he's also a, a full-fledged uh, yoga acharya, teacher of meditation. And the reason why that I brought him on the program today is because we have a question from one of our listeners about the the relative um, efficacies of of yoga and therapy when it comes to dealing with human problems. So the question was, um, people try to overcome different kind of blockages and problems sometimes they do it through um, can can they do it through meditation or can they do it through therapy and is one one discipline good for some people and not for others so there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, of questions that we're trying to answer so I thought that I would um, bring my friend uh, Acharya Vishwamitra here because he's practiced um, as, a, as a psychotherapist and he's taught therapy but he's also a yogi. So I want to ask, um, so Vishwamitra, first of all, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dallas. It's a pleasure to be here. So what's, what's your take on this? First of all, as a yogi, what do you, and you've also, you've dealt with people who have different kind of psychological problems. So do you think that some of these problems could be solved through meditation? Uh, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> meditation is about acquiring self-knowledge, as is psychotherapy, about acquiring more knowledge of the self and how you operate. But that self uh, bears a different definition from a yogic point of view and from a psychological point of view. Uh, very often, from the psychological point of view, the inquiry is about the ego and operating on that level of rationalistic thinking alone. Whereas when you define the self from the yogic point of view and the inquiry into who the self is, it, it not only includes, uh, it includes all levels, the physical, the, the social, the emotional, and the spiritual level of the self. So the self is a much larger concept. There's a small self and a big self in the yogic exploration. So what about people who come in, they're coming to you just for their mundane problems? You know, I mean, uh, can they relate to this thing of the bigger self? How, how will you help, help them, um, you know, with, with the meditation if, if, if they're coming? Well, we have to, yeah. We have to start with where people are, what their concerns are. And so we, we uh, start with what their uh, estimation of the problem is. At a, if, it, if it's at a level of the ego and they're dealing with fear and anxiety and depression, which is a lot of the presentation of people, and they won't help with fear, dealing with fears, with anxiety, with depression, with the management of anger. Many people have uh, problems with addiction of some kind. And so they, they want you to deal with that uh, at that level. And so we might begin at a physical level. If it's an addiction, uh, we have to start with that physical level of the control of the use of a substance. Uh, if it's a fear, we have to start with uh, defining what that fear is and teaching them to incrementally approach dealing with that fear. Uh, and so uh, 
if you you probably wouldn't introduce meditation uh, that quickly, but you would have to get the person to a certain level of feeling of competence to manage that behavior of that addiction or that fear or that anxiety or that depression before introducing meditation. What about like if there's someone who's like, a lot of people are like, you could say self-medicating. So let's say somebody has some of these fears and uh, uh, or even addictant problems. I know people have smoking problems and things like that. And if people, without seeing the psychologist, if they go into yoga by themselves, do you think that they would also have a... Um, a way of um, overcoming their problem? Uh, this is a good place to start the conversation uh, because many people nowadays are adopting some form of meditation. It's very general, generally applied. And people doing their own meditation very often are using it to soothe themselves. Uh, and they may be using it even to avoid dealing with the fear or the addiction, uh, just as a temporary soothing uh, and so if they don't seek a teacher to help them understand the, the potential for the meditation, they may be just using it to avoid dealing with their feelings and with their problems as a, as a temporary soother. Mm -hmm. And there's another, um, another question. I don't, I don't know if my um, listener asked this time, but is, is meditation sometimes um, damaging for some people who are really severely... Um, kind of uh, the, their psychological state is fragile, if then they go into meditation. Will, can, can meditation ever make it worse for people? It, it can make it worse. There's some people that shouldn't be uh, turning their attention inward for very long because their problem is they might have a, a problem controlling their thoughts and, or a thought disorder, a serious mental disorder uh, that we refer to as a thought disorder. Or sometimes that's referred to as I'm not very big on, on labels, yeah. but stereotypical uh, behavior of being very withdrawn and autistic. And that person who's already, that's their illness is about withdrawing from the world and not relating to the world in a realistic fashion. Meditation uh, could be practiced only for a very short period, or it could be detrimental. It could be helping them withdraw further. Okay. But anyway, let's look on the more positive side of how how meditation can um, be of help in in uh, overall course of making a human a more complete person. Could you give some perspective on that? How what what the, really does meditation bring to the table? You know, in this whole um, you know effort to become a better person. Well, I, I think we need to start with uh, looking at meditation as something that is uh, defining. It's a philosophy that is more. Uh, God-centered, and so uh, meditation is about aspiring towards becoming the Dharma of human beings, which is uh, to become one with their innermost self, or their divine self, or their intuition, or their cosmic self. In other words, we can define it uh, in religious terms, depending on the cosmology that a person leans towards, but it's to find the higher self. Meditation allows you to make more progress in becoming identified with that, that higher self, that more uh, divine self. And so it, it, if we compare it with other approaches, uh, a lot of psychotherapy is more matter-centered or self-centered, is dealing with the ego, whereas meditation is, is defining our true nature as to becoming one with our higher self. 
And so meditation is going to begin to help people. The first uh, benefits they will experience are having to do with calming the mind and detoxifying the mind of all the, the multiple thoughts in the mind's chatter. And uh, beyond that, calming the person's mind, uh, we start to see that uh, it changes the physiology of the person as well, the blood pressure reduction uh, and uh, many uh, changes in the brain, and having a more calm alpha rhythm. Uh, and then more recent research has shown that it, it changes the actual gray matter of, of the brain. It reduces the emotional brain in, in terms of its gray matter, and it increases the gray matter of the frontal lobe, which is the, the administrative function of the human mind. And so there are many great benefits from meditation, but when we usually are attracted to meditation, we become interested in the larger aspects of yoga. And so there, there are... Yoga approaches the individual on all three levels, uh, physical development, uh, mental development, and spiritual development. And so yoga postures and yoga ethics would be a part of controlling mind so that a person can meditate better. So we're, we're looking at a broader uh, spectrum of approaches when we approach meditation. It grows from uh, reciting a mantra or focusing on the breath to uh, adopting an ethical set of practices that are benevolent for yourself and others. And uh, so this is the broader uh, texture of uh, being involved with a yogic practice. Okay, so there are a lot of, um, a lot of benefits all on the way towards realization. I mean, because the, the ultimate goal, of course, of, of the yoga meditation or spiritual meditation is to reach the the self, you know, to get the true um, identification with the real self. But on the way, I think there are a lot of mundane benefits that are there. Because I think a lot of us, we, we came into yoga uh, for some benefit to get, to, like a lot of people go into stress reduction these days and, and, and help with treating addiction and different kind of things. But, but these are uh, kind of like side benefits on the road towards realization, I think. Yes, of course. Uh, the, uh, but that's what, what often attracts people is these uh, physical and uh, mental benefits. Uh, but uh, this is a good place to start with people uh, because when they receive these benefits, they, they start to become aware that there's something deeper to be explored in terms of their identity. I think one of the uh, psychiatrists who helped lead uh, psychology and, and spiritual practice in that direction was uh, uh, Viktor Frankl, who, who he said it's a search for meaning in his book, in his famous book uh, on uh, man's search for meaning. Uh, he, he put this as at the pinnacle. And at the end of his uh, career, uh, when he was asked about spirituality, uh, he said that he had avoided religiosity and dogma but that uh, he thought that the, the, the ultimate search for meaning had to do with discovering uh, the spiritual unconscious. And so even in, psycho in psychology uh, and, and, and in yoga, there's this understanding that we want to go beyond just the physical and psychic benefits. We want to attain that spiritual benefit 
of finding the ultimate meaning, which is who we are, has to do with defining who we truly are. Yeah, so I think, I think um, it becomes a lot, people come into it with a small idea and, and they grow into something really bigger and bigger. It's, it's like, we don't even know what we're getting into when we begin. It's oftentimes, we don't really realize what we're getting into when we begin the path. And, and that's the case also when a person is entering psychotherapy. <clears throat> they, they start with something, they, they want someone to change something painful. They want to, be, they want to reduce the pain they're experiencing. And uh, uh, there are some interesting articles written recently in Psychology Today that focus on, on, uh, on people's search for meaning that have to do with using mindfulness and mantra-style meditation. Uh, but... People have to be allowed to grow at a pace that they are uh, working at rather than uh, using any kind of authoritarian approach or too much external pressure. And so the, the meditation teacher and the psychotherapist have a lot in common in terms of recognizing where people are and what next steps they need to take. And um, in, in your work as a yoga teacher, how... What do you recommend for people like who are beginning? You know, like how how much time should they devote? You know, for their practice. What what do you say? Uh, I think it's a good idea to, to it. It's you have to evaluate uh, a person's uh, uh, present maturity uh, as an individual, emotionally, and socially, and spiritually, uh, and uh, but. It's better to start slowly and develop incrementally what the practice is. Uh, if they're beginning meditators, uh, we encourage them uh, to take a very simple mantra or a simple technique of focusing on the breath uh, or doing chanting, and then incrementally let that grow. Do, do the chanting for 10 minutes and meditating for 5 minutes, and then let that grow into 5, 10, 15 minutes over a period of weeks and months. Uh, people are going to have much more success if they go incrementally and, uh, and start to understand also what is the philosophy behind it, what is the, the real meaning of the, of the mantra and the goal of meditation. To have that clearly within view is important for a person to grasp early on in their meditation practice. And how, how long do you think it takes for people to get um, kind of um, tangible results? What's, what's been your experience in watching your students and patients grow? Uh, the, the thing that is essential is uh, that we know for any success, first uh, they have to have a strong determination to practice. And so it requires some discipline. And so uh, if they practice uh, twice a day, with the meditation for, I, I always suggest that they do this for, for two months at least. Uh, if they're going to discern what benefits they're going to get, they have to have a disciplined practice in order to know what the benefits are. In other words, we don't ask them to believe a particular philosophy or ideology. At first, we just want them to focus on the meaning of the mantra and the sound of the mantra and experience that. In other words, it's based on experience. It's not based on intellectually uh, convincing someone that this is the right thing to do. We want people to have a trial, to, to experience something. 
And then people usually find that if they do it for a couple of months, that when they, if they have a gap in that activity and that practice, they, they feel that they've lost something that is valuable to them. The quality of life is diminished a bit. So one has to be disciplined enough to experience the results. Yes, I've been, I, because I'm a teacher too, so I, so I tell people too, I, I usually tell people to give it a, give it a three month test at least, you know, you have to give it a fair test to see, to yeah. see if it works or not. And I also tell people that after one year, you, you know, it should, you should be, you know, there should be quite a, a there, could, there should be a considerable change in you in, in one, if you practice for one year sincerely, I think um, you'll get a good change, is, is my opinion. I agree very much with that that extended practice. It's based on practice, uh, not just the philosophical point of view. Although the philosophical point of view and, and understanding the meaning of the result of the meditation is extremely important. And so learning some philosophy after they've started to experience something is critical for the further development. Yeah, and so that's why here on this um, Dharma cast, I also try to weave in different philosophical topics, but I don't take, we don't usually spend so much time on it because because for us, practice is always going to be more important than the philosophy. We want practice first and philosophy is supporting it. Precisely. So, um, the, I, I want to comment on, on the, uh, the different forms of, of psychotherapy that, that people might engage. Psychotherapy is such a broad category. And nowadays, not just psychotherapy for individuals, couples, families, and groups, trauma-based, addiction-based, it comes in many forms, behavioral, cognitive behavioral, effective. It's very puzzling to someone seeking psychotherapy, uh, how to sort out all this, what do they need. Uh, the, the menu for meditation is much simpler. But there are many different forms of psychotherapy. And uh, so it's important that people understand how they might uh, consider uh, combining the two uh, of psychotherapy and meditation. That they, not, they need not be an either-or approach uh, to this. And uh, so we might discuss that in a little more detail, how to combine these approaches. Uh, uh, the the, the the main uh, point here is, again, the starting point for a person, that if they have a problem, let's say, with anger control, uh, they, they, they may be uh, resistant even to the psychotherapy. They, they, want, they want some help with, with controlling their anger, but they get angry with the therapist who's not giving them the, the answers. And so... Uh, there's an example of one report of a, of a person with this kind of problem. He was in, in psychotherapy, and psychotherapy was not going very well after four months. But he, he, the, med, the, the psychotherapist had introduced him to, uh, to mindfulness meditation, but he became disgusted with that and, and told him not to bring it up again. And then, and then uh, he was uh, walking on the street, and he saw an ad for... Uh, 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 transcendental meditation and he went and took a, took the course and uh, he started using mantra style meditation and he started to feel a peace and tranquility that he had never felt before so he came back and reported this to the psychotherapist and of course the psychotherapist said yes we'll continue that 
And what what this resulted in was he became he calmed himself down enough to start to benefit from the psychotherapy, and realize that he had a tremendous set of problems that started with family life, and he started to have more insights into why he was so angry, and so there we saw a a, a very nice blending of of meditation and psychotherapy. He became more available to look at the rational side of his life and how, how he had, what the etiology and the genesis of his anger problem was. But he couldn't approach that until he had uh, developed the meditation with mantra-style meditation. So there, there are examples of a, a nice blending of the two. Yeah, that's a really, uh, it's a fine story. I never heard that one before. That's really great. Um, something to know. Yeah. Uh, so there are many examples. Uh, the the mindfulness uh, is probably the most uh, well-used uh, approach to meditation that's been combined. So a lot of psychotherapists are, are combining meditation uh, with their psychotherapy of a mindfulness nature or a, a mantra-style meditation. But mindfulness is, seems to have been epidemic. Uh, is an epidemic or, or it's gone viral, we might say. You have to be careful using this terminology right. in today's coronavirus environment. But mindfulness has is, is gone very viral, and uh, it, uh, there are a lot of psychotherapists who are using mindfulness because it, it, it is more uh, devoid of religiosity. I think they're more comfortable with it. Uh, they associate mantra style more with a, with a, a religious sect, uh, whereas mindfulness has dissociated itself from Buddhism and become a kind of neo-Buddhism uh, defined as mindfulness. But there are examples of, of people who, who use mindfulness along with psychotherapy just to get the calming effect so they can then benefit from the psychotherapy. And so this is the most widespread utilized uh, form of blending psychotherapy and meditation now. And uh, But there's a, the dangers are, as I had mentioned before, is that they can use the, the, the mindfulness just as a soother rather than going more deeply into examining their feelings and uh, problems that they have or the trauma of their childhood. And so we have to be vigilant as meditation teachers that people are not using meditation as a way to avoid dealing with uh, emotional issues they need to be dealing with. Uh, but in psychotherapy, there's a nice blending now going on in many, uh, many psychotherapeutic uh, settings. Uh, I think that for us as meditation teachers, uh, when we are, are just encouraging meditation as the answer, and people, you know, a lot of meditation teachers uh, say, just meditate more if you have trouble with anxiety and depression and anger and fears. And I think we need to be more open to the blending of these two, that meditation itself can be a place to hide from your emotions and your feelings and your fears. And, but the very nature of the yogic philosophy that, that you and I are practicing, is, is, which is tantric, is about facing what you fear. And so the meditation teacher has to be careful not to uh, allow the person to avoid facing the things they fear. And uh, so it's, it's, it works on both sides of this fence that if we realize that sometimes people who are uh, 
beginning to benefit from meditation but avoiding dealing with their fears and anxieties and depression, they need to be referred uh, to a therapist who has a spiritual orientation. And that's the other thing that is more available this day and time. A lot of people advertise that they uh, have a spiritual orientation and they can work with the, the meditation teacher. Uh, and I think this is the happy, the best happy blending is to have a meditation teacher and a psychotherapist and working together and having some exchange. It's, it's more difficult to have to do both, to be the spiritual teacher and to be the psychotherapist. I think it's best to probably separate them uh, because what, what they see is that psychotherapists see it as unethical to have a dual role. If you're defined as the, as the spiritual teacher, you need to be that spiritual teacher and teach the practices of yoga. If you're the psychotherapist, you need to work on the emotional life, and they can use the practice within the, within the setting of the psychotherapy, but that you, the, the psychotherapist leaves that teaching to, in the hands of the spiritual teacher. It's a very rare occasion where you would find someone like myself who's trained as the yoga teacher and as a psychotherapist. But even there, I avoid playing both roles. Uh, I, if I'm the spiritual teacher, I remain the spiritual teacher. I don't do psychotherapy. And uh, if they need psychotherapy, I refer them to a psychotherapist. So we have a lot of discriminating choices to make if we're blending the two and making the best use of both models. Okay, so I think um, my my listener who asked this question, I think we've delivered more than what I could have done uh, by myself. You know, so in case some um, anyone has tuned in late, this is we're listening to Dr. Sid Jordan or Acharya Vishwamitra, as I know him, um, and he's brought a very unique perspective um, to this discussion. Because the discussion came from. Just a question from one of our listeners about the the roles of uh, meditation in in helping people overcome problems, or whether people should go the route of psychotherapy. And so now we've seen in this um, you know half hour discussion, or so we've seen that there's been an interweaving of these two disciplines. Now, uh, I was going to say that one question she raised that we haven't touched upon is that can psychotherapy uh, help with uh, sanskaras uh, uh, versus uh, meditation. And uh, I think that the the most general answer, I know we're running out of time, no, it's the okay. most general I, answer... They, some, some of my other listeners asked from longer podcasts, so anyway, it's okay. So the, the, to deal with sanskara, uh, it, it requires an understanding of, uh, of what we call our second lesson in, uh, in meditation, which is uh, brahmacharya, uh, that is seeing everything as expression of the divine. Uh, so uh, when, we, when we are trying to evaluate whether to use psychotherapy or meditation to work on our sanskaras, the answer is yes to both. That everything, that, that psychotherapist is an expression of that divine intervention. And you are an expression of that divine intervention and the actions are an expression of that divine intervention, and the results are an expression of that divine intervention. So all interventions are divine and, and can be used to work on sanskara. 
the same scars, of course, the meditation is more effective in bringing them to the surface so they can be uh, reacted. Uh, whereas psychotherapy is going to be a slower uh, process of bringing forth the, the sand scars, but nevertheless, you're working on these sand scars. But meditation is the, is the key to ripening the sand scars. Oh, for, for, I just wanted to add here for those who are not familiar with the term that Vishwamitra that, um, is using, sanskara. It means the actually what's loosely people refer to it as karma. It's the, the karmic um, reactive momenta because you've built up some karma in the past. Some you've done something in the past, and now you the the reaction you have to somehow deal with what reaction is going to come. So that's what that's what that's what we mean by sanskara. This this reaction and potential. Yeah, yeah. So uh, continue. <laughs> If I, if I, well, uh, I was just going to say that uh, uh, these these sanskaras are are ripening at a slower rate if you're not meditating. If you're meditating, <laughs> these sanskaras start to ripen, and and you start to have if it's psychically, in other words, the sources of these sanskaras, it can be psychic or it can be some action. If it's a psychic sanskara, then it can be ripened and it can be. Uh, reacted on a psychic level, but if it involves some physical action, it has to be uh, dealt with physically. And so the the process of meditation is bringing uh, bringing all this to the surface, and you'll find yourself in circumstances in which you can burn this sanskar or get that reaction. And in psychotherapy, the same is true, but it's at a slower pace. So that's the main difference. I would. Uh, I would say between psychotherapy and the ripening of sanskars and and getting them reacted and and meditation is that meditation is a much faster process. Life is a short, fleeting thing, so meditation helps us to achieve this self-realization in in a much less time than plugging our way through uh, trying to rationally always work it out. Okay, that, I, that that's a good positive note to end it on because I always. I was I lean towards the the meditation side, so it's good to end that way. That, but anyway, they both 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 disciplines have a, a big role in uh, in achieving human happiness. So so we should take advantage of all of these resources that we have in our community. So, um, Doctor Sid Jordan or Vishwamitra, that's what I I've always known him as Vishwamitra. We really thank you for um, this contribution to the program. It's been a pleasure to be a part of it and share this with your audience. Great. So um, just um, to say, um, in continuation, you see that this program resulted out of a question from the listeners. So I, I encourage you, if you have any question, you can send an email to info at dharmacast.com or you can leave a, a comment on the website, dharmacast.com. There's a, there's a comment section, but I prefer the email. And... Um, and the main thing, though, is continue your practice, whatever you're doing, continue your practice and try to become a happy and um, productive and healthy and wonderful human being. And, and we'll see you in the next episode. And so I always conclude with Namaskar. And this is the yogi greeting. That means I salute you with all the divine charms of my mind and the love and cordiality of my heart. And Namaskar and until the next time. Amen.